on the streets of Waterbury, Connecticut. A drug habit I kept from my family and denied my addiction to crack cocaine. The secret, the secret war of me, I stole and lied and did anything to get high. I hung out with people I despised but needed. All of this led to murder on August 7th, 1997, 25 years ago. You said it was cocaine, correct? Yes. Uh, like, I, basically, how did you get involved in drugs and why, like, was cocaine, like, your first one you got into? Yes. Um, I got into crack cocaine when I was 18. I was, all I used to do was smoke marijuana until I went over a friend of mine's house and he introduced me to crack cocaine. He told me to try this, and I tried the crack cocaine, and ever since I was 18, I was doing crack cocaine. And what, what you led me to prison? Um, my whole life is, is went down the drain because of uh, crack cocaine. That was one of my favorite drugs. I tried my best to keep it away from my family, friends. Uh, I became homeless. Uh, and it was hard to hide. My family kind of knew what was going on with me, but they let me do what I wanted to do because I was going to do what I was going to do anyway. Uh, uh, it led me up to even to murder somebody on August 1997, which I would have never done if I was not on crack cocaine. I'm trying to think, um, with I've never, you know, I've never done cocaine or anything, but um, like, how much does that go for out on the street back? I know it's probably changed since now, but how much does that go on on the street back then? It, uh, it depends really how much you buy. If you buy, let's say, an eight ball, it will cost you like 150 bucks. They got twenties, um, which is like a twenty. Uh, they got dimes, which is you know. But even that is not enough because the the high that you get, you're chasing to get back to that same high. That's what that's all about. That's why. Even, you know, me, I've done some crazy stuff. I done stole from a father. I done stole from uncles. I done did some crazy stuff out there. I think crack cocaine. I thought I had it under control, but it was controlling me. Mm -hmm. um, I was in denial to the fullest when it, when it came to doing drugs. I look back now that I'm not doing it anymore. Um, and it just amazes me of this thing that it makes you do. And sometimes you don't have no control. I'm not blaming it on the drug why I'm locked up. Because I was a big part of it. And I uh, obviously did the murder. But crack cocaine is what led me to do what I did. Um, how much were you doing at the time, like, leading up to the murder? Like, quite a bit. Like, how much do you think you would do on average on a day? I spent 
in a day. I would just say I spent maybe every day about 500 bucks. And it would be money that I went and worked hard for. I went out there and I worked for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, or I do little side jobs and I save up all my money and I go out there and the first thing I do is buy credit. I don't do nothing else. And that's what made me homeless. So you think with like, you know, you being that, I guess with that high and stuff is what led, led up to your murder. Like, can you like walk me through like what transpired that? understandable um was the murder basically over like money for more drugs or for drugs itself yeah, it, was, it was it was money for more drugs to go out and get high that was what the murder was and um uh, i want to make it clear that i'm not blaming anybody not even my co-defendant i the one that went did what i did i'm paying for what i did um I still think about that person I killed. I have sympathy for that person I killed because that person shouldn't have got what they got at all, period. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Um, like, what, like, during and, like, after, like, well, were you, were you on cocaine, like, during the murder as well, like, when it was taking place? Yes, that's what I was on. Cocaine, I was drunk, and that was, you know, part of it as well. Because I didn't have a care in the world when you're like that. You just do stuff, and then you don't think about it. You, you think about it later. I was not thinking about anything. Okay, Regardless so to what the paper says or what people say, I wasn't. I wasn't in my right state of mind. Okay, so kind of like, like you said, your co-defendant had mentioned about murdering someone. So you kind of like you said, was already on, so you're, like, not thinking about it, and then during and all that. Was it, like, right. kind of, like, forced more on you at that time frame, if you know what I mean? Like, like here, have all this before you go do it type of thing? Or? No, it wasn't forced. It was, you know, it was, like, try this. You know how, like, you get in front of your peers, and, mm-hmm. you know, when you're young, and, and they ask, you know, man, try this, man, would it? So pretty much like peer pressure type thing.
50-something years old. He was, uh, he was in trouble with the law way before I met him. I had, I didn't even know him. I met him at a bar, and uh, he liked to go cop crack cocaine, and I was going to get his crack cocaine because they wouldn't serve him because he was a white guy, and he didn't belong in the black neighborhood. So every time they used to see him, they used to call him a cop. So I would have to go get his drugs, and that's how our relationship started, you know, being his, and I started hanging around him, and one thing led to another. Okay, so it's kind of like you were, like, in a sense, like you said, where he was an older gentleman, like, and you were younger, he was kind of, like, more or less using you. He was, uh, he was, he was, uh, 55, I think. No. I don't remember. I don't remember his age, but uh, he was he was older than me. He was definitely older than me. Okay, and I was you, only twenty three. Do you think that he was kind of like using you to like to do the do like the hard work type yeah. thing where you were younger and yeah, stuff? He knew I was on the crack cocaine, so he took advantage of the situation. I didn't see. I didn't even know what was going on really. But afterwards, I think back and I was like. This guy actually used me to kill somebody that I shouldn't have killed. That I shouldn't have killed. It's it's sad. You actually do see that a lot. You get somebody that's. Would you consider yourself well with being on you know cocaine and stuff? Do you consider like if it wasn't for that, do you think you're a strong-minded person back then that you would have been like able to see through you know through his bullshit type stuff? Okay, because yeah, like I was saying, you kind of you kind of see that a lot. Like, not saying you're weak minded, but like with the drugs would make you weak minded, and people seem to do that to you know overpower somebody, get them on their safe way, and be like, hey, you know, let's go do this, rob a bank, or kill this person for money, and all that, and then which he was uh, he was actually fifty four. Okay. Does, did you think, well, do you think that he felt that you were going to get all the heat of? He felt like I was going to get the whole charge, period. I was, everything was going to fall on me. Okay, so. He didn't know, I didn't, he didn't know that I went to, when I, like, when I went to the police station, I copped out to it because I did it. I'm not going to sit there and say I did do it. I copped out to it. Okay. And, um. So, okay. kind of like, like we were saying, like used you for a crime, and hoping that you would you would be, get the fall for it and be like scot free. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. And, and the other thing was he was trying to get uh, the insurance policy. You know, mm-hmm. it was his it was his mother. So mm-hmm. that's what another thing that was all about. He wanted the house. He wanted the insurance, and I didn't know anything about that till later. So there's a whole bunch of stuff behind it besides just me, why he wanted this done. And I didn't even, I, I knew one part of why he wanted it done, but the second part I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know that it was about insurance policy and all that stuff. 
Okay, speaking of that, like, um, what did you get out of it? Did you just get the money? Like, did you get the money that, sh- you know, she had had on her or just uh, drugs he, out of it? He went, he went to her. She had, like, a little nightgown on, which mm-hmm. I thought, you know, that's what people, you know, older women wear when they go to sleep. She had a nightgown. He went up to her and ripped the pocket off her, off his own mother and took the money. And I snapped because she started calling me the N-word, and I was already high and drunk, and I just flipped out. Mm-hmm. I just blacked out, and that, that was it. And I seen her, and I was just standing there, and I, and I choked her, and I killed her. You have one um, minute left. After uh, the murder occurred, uh, we left the house, and we went to a bar. Got drunk, went to a, uh, like a whorehouse slash crack house and got high for the night. Uh, we spent crazy money. Uh, my co-defendant stayed at the house and I took a bunch of, he gave me a bunch of money and I went out to go get some more crack cocaine. I took the car and I went out to go get some more uh, crack cocaine. And when I came back, we got high again, and we stayed there for until the money was gone, until it was spent. After we left the house, uh, with me being homeless, uh, I had to go to the shelter. So I was staying at the shelter, and he went his way. As a matter of fact, he went back to his mother's house. He stayed the night in the house, because he told me that... Uh, I'm going to go back to the house and call me tomorrow morning. So the next day, I come out of the snow. Yeah, there that night, that day, I, I tried to call him, and nobody wanted to answer the phone. So um, I was like, what's going on? So I went up there myself. I walked up to the scene, and I seen a crime scene truck. I seen the news reporters. And I walk right past the scene, believe it or not. I walk right down the street, right past the scene. And I went to the shelter. And I was like, man, these people know. He he said he was going to report the person was dead when he got up and blah, blah, blah. So he was at the house. So I went back to the, I stayed in the shelter that night. That night, I walked to the shelter. I took a shower. I was getting ready, getting ready to go lay down. Next thing I know, the police showed up. He said, oh, the police want to talk to you. They came down there and got me, took me from there, brought me to the police station. And that's where my journey began. Um, I went to court. I got sentenced to 46 years. I did now 25 off the 46. Got to do 21 more of my time. Um, and it's been a, it's been a struggle because I've been doing it by myself most of the time, and it was hard because I didn't have anybody. But I got people now, a little bit of people now in my life. You know, now that I'm about halfway, more than halfway into this thing, trying to get it done. But um. I can use all the support I get at this point. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it, to, to, 
through that journey by yourself 25 years, that was tough. I don't know how I did it. I said, people ask me, how do you do it? You know, how do you stay sane and do it for 25 years and deal with this situation? And sometimes you just got to block it out. Sometimes it comes back and you can't block it out. That wall you're trying to put up, you just can't. Sometimes that wall falls and reality sets in and then you start going through stuff. Uh, you know, thinking people don't care about you, nobody wants to talk to you, and it's it, it just crazy. Even right now, you know, mm -hmm. I would like people in my life, but it's uh, hard to even try to talk to people when you've been isolated so long without talking to people for 25 years. You know, I've talked to a little bit of my family, but even talking to them is kind of hard because I really don't know them like I should. To me, they're almost like strangers because most of them grew up without me, so I can't. Uh, I'm talking to them like I would talk to anybody else because I really, I know them, they're family, but I really don't know them like I should. Mm -hmm. And that's what the drugs did. It took me away from uh, going back a little bit, when you said that they had, like, the police had came to the shelter, um, did, was you, so you think your co-defendant kind of, like, ratted you out on the whole thing, and that's why you were, like, targeted right then and there? Because I'm assuming, like, the way you talked, it was, like, the like the next day, of basically. Of course. Of course. He uh, told the police, you know, where I was at, what happened, and I was involved in this and that. So when I got to the police station, they already knew the story. They just wanted to confirm it from me, from what I said. Mm -hmm. And they didn't question me about um, what you're saying is not true because this guy, no. It matched up exactly the way he said it. He thought by going ahead of me and telling them the story, I, they didn't even know who I was. They told me, look, we didn't even know you were involved until he said something. So we had to come and get you. But he tried to go down there and get a deal and he got one less year than I got. He got 45 years and I got 46. And by the time he got out, he would have been 100 years old. He would have never made it out. Mm -hmm. He died anyway. He died here, as a matter of fact. So he he, he got his uh, redemption or, or whatever you want to call it. What did I'm like, still, What is it? But what I was going to ask, uh, like, what uh, was going through your mind, though, when, like, the police showed showed up and stuff? Like, did you know, like, it was already going down, basically? Yeah, I already knew when they came and got me, I already knew what it was about. I didn't even put up a fight because I already knew why they were there. So it's kind of surrendered? Yeah, yeah, I surrendered. I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't fight with them or nothing. I just went, you know, and it took me, and that was that. Um, with you being on, you know, drugs and stuff, did you basically kind of had to like quit cold turkey, right? With like how, because I'm yeah, sure, you, yeah, I'd say that would be I rough. To, I had to sweat. So I was going through. It was just like you go to a detox, and you just they don't treat you here like that. They, they I don't care what you're on. They, you just got to quit cold turkey, and it was tough. When especially when nobody's there. 
You know, you didn't have no family. Nobody. If, if I was to die because I was uh, withdrawn or whatever the case may be, nobody wouldn't care. At that point, nobody cared, even the people here. They don't know me. I'm just another person. Yeah. And that really hurt, that really hurt me because I didn't have no family. No nothing. Yeah, being 23, like, that's, you know, a life-changing because, you know, you're still very, very young. Well, even your age now, you're right. still considered young. And like you said, you right. served 20. Right. Like, I just turned 33 this past Saturday, and that means I was eight years old when you had went to prison. So you served yeah. most of your time wow. by, you know, yeah. most of my life. That, like, looking back, do you think the times went by quick? I know people always say time flies, but how is it in yeah, there? It, it went, I mean, at first it was kind of rough because I had some issues with my case and I was going through stuff in jail. People were giving me a hard time. So I want to say the first 10 years was kind of rough. But once I got past the first 10 years and started figuring everything out, then it was smooth after that. But time, I'm not paying attention to it. It's been flying, though, to be honest with you. It's been going. So it's kind of like basically like anything else. Once you get a routine down, you're you're good to go. Yeah, and it helps. yeah. You just gotta set your mind, you know, to stay busy and do something. Because if you don't, you go crazy. Telling, because there's not a lot to do. There's really not a lot to do. You do the same thing every day. Same same thing. Okay. Uh, one thing um, I wanted to ask you. I like what we talked about earlier. Do you think with your uh, with you taking the you know the plea deal and stuff? Do you think it was a yeah. fair a fair deal? At the time, you know, looking back now uh, with being older. At the time, no, I didn't think it was a fair deal because of the time that I got. Mm-hmm. But as I look at it now, I feel like, you know, yeah, I needed to be punished. I definitely need to be punished for that. And I needed to do my time. And um, I don't feel now that, you know, I didn't deserve it because I did. But I believe it was too much time. That they gave me. Um, I've learned my lesson now. I've been in 25 years. If I hadn't learned for 25 years, then there's something wrong with me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, um, also, as well, when I wanted to add, crap, sorry, just kind of lost a track, train of thought. But, you know, where you had mentioned the first. Uh, interview that we done where you said that you're surprised you didn't die on the streets do you in a weird way do you think that this in a way saved you from possibly dying out on the street oh yeah oh definitely this was the best thing honestly to happen if it didn't, I'm telling you if this didn't happen to me I would have been dead there's no doubt about it there's no doubt in my mind I would have been dead they would have been looking at me in their particular yeah, I've always like uh, read uh, stuff with like in the drug world and things, and being out in the street that you're lucky uh-huh. to make it to thirty, and that's pushing right. it. And I'm lucky. I'm lucky. This place kind of you know saved me in a way. You know, it did some justice for me. It, it helped me out to stay off the street, not be killed, but at the same time, you know, it's struggling. It's not easy as people think at all, but um, I'm going to uh, address the people with the information now. Okay. If, if 
anyone would like to get in touch with me, they can find me on Facebook. But if you want to contact me directly and directly uh, in prison, go to Secures Tech Net and sign up for messaging, which is like email. I have a tablet in my cell and can respond every day. My name is Earl Gladding, and my inmate number is 234-652. You can also write me a letter at McDougal CI, 1153 East Street South, Suffield, Connecticut, 06080. If you want, I can even call you. Thank you. Um, I forgot to ask you, too, on the first part we were mentioning about the uh, overseas thing where you said you were good. With Facebook, whoever runs your Facebook, do they just send you, like, the message or something? Yeah, on my Facebook page, you know, there's a picture up there, and I will get the message. I have somebody that, you know, keeps track of my Facebook page. So if something goes up there, she's going to direct you to me. Okay, okay. So if she, if she says, well, you got to write him or this is his address, take the address and just go with it. Because she just, I'm not out there. She just keeps track of it. Okay, so like if somebody said, hey, you know, I want to, then she'll like send you an email or like say you call her on the phone. She's like, hey, this person's going to send you a, you know, an email, an e-message or a phone call right. or a letter. I mean, right. And okay. All that information also is on my Facebook page if they want to look at it. I have all that stuff up here if they want to contact me too. Okay, yeah, I'll put it. I'll put it in the description when I release these as well, to, so people can okay. see it there as well. I, and I'll try a, I to, don't know if you have a picture, but I have a picture up there. Okay, I will uh, try to. I'll look for the Facebook as well, and I'll. You have drop, one minute left. But I'll drop the uh, link okay. in the description so people can just go straight okay. there to it. Okay. Cool. Okay, that was the uh, part two of the interview with uh, convicted murderer. Earl Gladding. Um, part three, like I said in the previous episode, will focus on his time in prison, like some stories and stuff like that. So I really look forward to that. Um, I want to apologize if you guys hear any bangs in the beginning. Uh, me and him spoke on the phone. I can't remember. Um, probably the first couple minutes, there was like loud bangs from a neighbor. I don't know if they were shooting a gun, setting off fireworks or what. So if you happen to hear that in the background, I apologize for that. Because it was pretty loud. Like, it sounded like a cannon going off. But it happened like six times. It's dark. So I don't know what they're what they're doing. Unless, like I said, it was fireworks. I looked outside earlier. I didn't see nothing. So hard to tell. But like I said, uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, Killer Crossface. You know, our Facebook page. We got a group. You know, leave a review. Like I said, I'll drop uh, all of his information in the first part and this part as well, so you guys can reach out to him. Um, like I said, next week we'll be talking, well, when the, the third part episode comes out, because I'll be talking to him next week, but when it finally drops, which will be the end of September, it, like I said, it'll be about his time in prison. Like some, He's shared a little bit, because we've talked you know, off the record and stuff a lot, and he's he's had some really interesting experiences in prison, not not good experiences either. Especially what he was talking about earlier today when I talked to him. But uh, thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.